Turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. Ephesians 3, 16. And uh, we're going to park in this passage today and spend a lot of time. And I want to finish today on the I surrender all. What, what, what is the potential of the surrendered life? And we, we looked at how people are blinded by the blessings and, and what God says the basis of the blessings. This is, this is what's required. You've got to resign these areas of your life. You've got to be willing to trust God and obey God. And uh, my goal has been to, to help you guys visualize this. And, and as Pastor Joe does this, I, I want you guys to, to see this picture of this, uh, of what God wants. Uh, to answer the, the reason why, that's this. And you just say, a lot of people have this idea when it comes to that surrendered vessel. And we, we were going through it as we started off and how we fill our lives full of all this stuff. I mean, it, it, it's, it's our cars, our money, our, our, our pleasures, all these things we have we're consumed with it. I'm just, I'm talking about us as Americans. I mean, you go in and it's hard to find people that are looking up and praying anymore. We're, we're walking around on, on this and we're on our phone, we're on our computers, we're on Facebook, we're running, we're doing. We, we swipe our cards at any restaurant, we fill our lives full of our, our, our cable. All these things, they're all blessings. And God's standing back there going, where, did, where am I in your life? I mean, I, you don't pray like you used to. I mean, you'll, you'll sacrifice to get the next phone. But, but the pastor will get up and talk about people dying without Christ overseas and saying, we can send more missionaries. And, and you're like, well, I'd have the money if I didn't have this. And, and guys, don't get me wrong. I'm not preaching against phones and, and coffee and, and pleasures. I'm, I'm not preaching against those things. What I'm simply asking is, God can't use us. It's not a matter of not having things, but it's a matter of, Lord, all that I have is yours. Do you, do you guys get Everything in my life is yours. God, you want me to set something aside? Lord, you want me to pull back in an area? Lord, do you want me? Whatever it is. God, here am I. I just, just want you to, to fill me and use me. And Lord, I, I want you at the center. Lord, I, I want you to be everything in my life. And I started thinking, what, what could God do with a life like that? Think about Abraham. Is, he had that one area of his life left, okay? That one area, that Isaac. And, and God said, a lot of Christians are like this. You've given up so much, but it's like when that one area, you, you won't. And Abraham went to the top of that mountain that day, and he said, God, even that thing that I love the most is yours. And he laid him on that altar, and God went, and he said, Lord, this is it. And then let me tell you, this is... This is what we're doing right now. When God says, when, I, when you sing that song in church, and we used to sing, we, we have so many songs that we sing about, I surrender all. And I think God is just getting frustrated with us going, that is so not true. That is, if you would surrender all, then I would be able to change the world. I'd be able to fill the church. I'd be able to rock that, that city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'd be able to do all that thing if you were truly at the point of saying it's all yours. We talked about how God fills our... When we get to that, God says you give and it shall be given. And that concept of how much do I have to give. And God knocked off the cap and he said it's a, it's a matter of with the same measure you give unto me, I'll, I'll return it unto you. But when you surrender all, God said, I'll open the windows of heaven. I will pour unto you. 
exceedingly abundantly. That was the promise of God. God took that potential with Abraham of his giving, and God says, Now watch this. Through the seed of Abraham, through the seed of Abraham, I brought the seed of David. And the seed of David, I brought in the Savior of the world. God looks at you and says, Man, we're we're back at that. The seed of Abraham with Isaac, and God's just saying, Don't complain about what's not happening in the world. I'm waiting for that church to come to the point of surrender. And sometimes God drives to this point. When we're empty like this, this is when we're craving, we're hungry. Have you, ever, have you ever said the words to your wife, honey, we've got to go eat. I am starving to death. And trust me, we're, none of us are starving to death. But we say those words. When we're emptied of ourself, it's, ama- it's amazing what happened the week of 9-11 when, when, when we were hit in a way that we never expected. We had people knocking on the door of Fellowship Baptist Church saying, can I get in to pray? Is there a pastor that I can talk to? They lined up. Our, our, our political leaders lined up on the White House, lined up at the Capitol, lined up in front of these things, and they had prayer together. And God said, you know, it's amazing what happens to a nation when they're emptied, when a Christian is empty and in their craving and going, Lord, we need you. But not when we're blinded by the blessings and we've been increased with goods and we say, Lord, I'm, I'm good. I'm needing nothing. I want to get into this passage today, which is powerful. Paul is speaking to the church about the desire, God's desire for us. So when we're reading, you're, you're going to see at the end of this of how he words it. God said, I'm talking right to this church right here in 2015. Ephesians 3.16, we're, we're going to pick this apart. We're going to go word by word, and we're just going to work our way through it. I want you guys to see what God was saying. We're at this point right here, okay? Wipe this away. We're working with this. I hope we are in your life. I pray we walked out last week and go, Lord, that's, I want that. God, it's so bad. I, 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 want, the, I want the fullness of God. Lord, I, I want the presence of God. I want the power of God. Lord, I crave that in my life. And Paul says, let me show you. He says in Ephesians 3.16 that he would grant you. The word grant means that God would give you. He said, Man, let me tell you. The riches of his glory. God said, you know what? I want that to be in you. God said, I I want to fill you with the fullness of God. According to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might by the spirit of the inner man. First of all, I want you guys to get that every true blessing that we have comes from God. Everything that we get of the world will only make you run back for more. It will never satisfy. It will never fulfill. You know, the college students, the teenagers, this next step that you're going into and the temptation of come party with us, go ahead, go party with them. And I promise you, it will never lead to happiness. Watch the news as they shoot up with the drugs and they do this and the new high, the new this. None of it ever satisfies. We have a starving nation that is filling their life up with garbage and they're wondering why are we discontent because we're not actually filling ourselves up with what we need you know what paul was saying he said guys let me tell you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might of his spirit of the inner man god starts saying this is true fulfillment he's saying i i, I want to fill your life with something that honestly matters he said to be strengthened god said to be empowered with god's power 
The word might in there, uh, listen to this definition in this passage. It is dunamis. It's the same power that the Bible describes as Jesus being raised from the dead. The Bible says that dunamis power that gave life to that which is dead. God looks at us and says, you know what I want to strengthen you with, college students, mom and dad? You know what I want to give unto you? You know the potential that you have because you're emptied of yourself that I can fill you? And let me say once again, you cannot totally fill something unless it's totally empty. Does that make sense? We, we, we are halfway filled. We're, it's not a matter of me talking to Christians that don't know this. You can't totally fill this vessel until it's totally emptied of self. We have a, a halfway point with a lot of us that we are okay. God's saying, I'm not going for okay. The Spirit of God. An overtaking of the power of God of the inner man. God said, that's my desire. That I would grant you, that I would give you the dunamis, amazing, overtaking power, might, strength of God. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. God says, man, let me, let me tell you, the, the heart is the real you. This idea of dwelling at the indwelling of God, something we've got to change people's minds of. And I know we say all the time that this is the house of God, and we come to the house of God to worship, but never forget that you are the temple of God. God said in the Old Testament, New Testament, I don't want to live in brick and stone. He said, I will dwell in them. You know why I'm saying that when he said, I will dwell in your hearts? Because when you come in church and you walk out of church, when you have God, God goes everywhere you go. He said, well, my mom and dad aren't here. They have no idea what I'm doing. God God is with you even when mom and dad are not. He said, well, I don't want my pastor knowing that I'm doing that. I don't want want Pastor Tyler knowing or Pastor Joe knowing. It doesn't matter if we know. It matters if God knows. God said, I'm going to dwell in your hearts. You know what that word is saying? God says, I'm going to take up residency. I want to step in and I don't want to just be part of your life. I want all of your life. That's what God was saying. The indwelling of Christ in your life. It's not a Sunday thing. You don't turn it off and on when you step into the world. It's not a matter of stepping into a bar and you doing your own thing and stepping in the church saying, God, you're everything. God said, quit the games. Quit joking with me. Quit making a mockery of who I am. I've called you to be my vessel. You run to the world and you do your own thing and you fill your life with so much garbage and God says, no, I want to take over your life. He said that ye being rooted and grounded in love. The word rooted and grounded is describing something of substance. You see, when you have roots, if you have a mind of God and you say, well, I think you will never survive in school anywhere when you have an, an idea of God. But God was talking about conviction. When he takes over your life, he said, I want to be rooted and grounded in your life. He gave a perfect example, and I'm not trying to use a movie as my example, but if you've seen the movie God's Not Dead, that's the example that we're talking about. God's not real, and that Christian stands up and says, yes, he is. You cannot change my mind. 
It's not a passing thought. It wasn't just a Sunday school lesson. It is the real thing. It is rooted in your life. When a tree is rooted, when the storms come, it still stands. The word of God must be rooted in your life. It's got to be in you. This is deep. It's not shallow. Remember, we're talking about the potential that God has for us. Verse 18. That ye might be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height? Do you, know, do you know how you get that? I'd say, you know, all of you. I said, I, yeah, I think Paul was saying, you know what? To be filled with the inner man. God's saying, you, all of you. You'll never know. Never know. The height and breadth and depth of God. Until we have that Abraham experience where we just say, God, all of me. And to know the love of Christ, the path of knowledge. I wish I could interview some of those guys from the Bible. I wish I could go up to Abraham and say, man, what was that like? I said, Tony, you'll never know what it's like. To trust God to walk up on that mountain as you hold your son's hand and Kept rubbing his cheek and running my fingers through his hair. You'll never know what it was like the, the, the moment that I got up there. And I had to turn my back as I cried. And, and I said, God, he's yours. See, you'll never know what it was like to, to turn around and, 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 and see him look at me while I raised that knife. And you'll never know what it was like, Tony. When I started bringing that knife down and to hear the voice of God saying, Stop! I was almost startled by the presence of God and I turned and God said, over there is a substitute and it's the lamb. He says, to take his place. He'll never know what it was like when I cut off those ropes and my son leaped in my arms and we sacrificed together. You'll never know. You sit there and say, well, Pastor Tony, tell us. Tell us about the fullness of God. Tell us about this amazing presence of God. I hate to tell you, but I can't tell you. I can't. See, some aspects of the Christian life have to be experienced. They cannot be told. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's not just a matter of me standing up here and saying, oh, you would never believe how great this taste God said until they reach up and they take and they consume in their life, they will personally never know how good I am. They'll never know. Never. You know what Abraham is saying that this passage is saying? To know the love of Christ, it passes knowledge. At some point, the presence of God in your life. And you sit there and say, well, I don't know if I could say no to this. And I like to party and I like to have fun and all this. God said, you have no idea. You have no idea what you're missing when I step in and I take control. And you're sitting there and all your friends are going, why don't you want to do that? Why don't you? And God said, because I've taken over. And I've given them something that the world could never give them. I've given them satisfaction that they could never find 
in a party or in the streets. Never. It passes all knowledge. And this is it. This is the result. That ye might be filled with the fullness of God. So what is the desire of God? God says, you know, here's the potential of a surrendered life. He said, all of this is because, verse 20, he says, the next verse, he says, now unto him. That, that experience is the fullness of God. We're going to go back and we'll plug in the points. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think. According to the riches of his power. He says all of this is for one reason. Unto him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages. World without end. You sit back and say, well, if you just understood that we don't live in that day and age, and I remember the revivals, and I remember when God was working, and I remember when we used to meet in a tent, and I remember, I remember, God said, I'm not done. It's not a matter of not, me not being able to. He said, I'm just looking for vessels that are filled with the fullness of God. Because he said right in that passage, to all the ages, world without end. God said the promise, the potential of being filled with the fullness of God has never come to an end. So I look across an audience this morning with a bunch of vessels. And God says, are you ready to be filled with the fullness of God? So let's plug in the points. Number one, the surrendered life experiences the fullness of God. We want to rush right to the exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. That's what we do. God, I want, Lord, work in my kids, and Lord, work in that. And God said, you can't. I'm sorry. Lord, we're praying for revival. We're praying for this. And God says, you can't. You don't have the power to do it. You see, here's the thing that we've got to understand. The fullness of God is not you getting more of the Spirit. It's the Spirit getting more of you. See, when I got saved, the Spirit of God came and lived inside my life. I didn't get halfway saved. I'm not going halfway to heaven. I didn't just get half of the presence of God. I didn't get half the promises of God. When I got saved, I got the whole thing. God doesn't do things halfway. God said, I'm going to come into your life but as a vessel of God, please understand that this is where we're at. God turns around in your life and God says, all right, I'm going to save you. I'm going to come into your life. But let me show you something. My soul is going to heaven. But God has a whole lot more planned for my life than just bringing me to heaven. You live, you breathe right now for a reason. You sit there and go, I'm on my way to heaven. I'll live how I want. God says, then you don't understand your purpose. You see, a lot of us got to understand, God steps into our life and he says, I want all of this. God looks into your attitude and he says, you know what? I, I, I see that part. My goal is for me to be seen in you. That's what glory means. That Christ might be glorified. Christ might be exalted. Christ might be seen. In this world, they don't see our God. They've turned their back on our God. Why would they? They see this as Christians. 
I'm on my way to heaven. That's not power. The Bible says about the fullness of God that we might be strengthened with the Spirit of God, all-encompassing. Here's the thing. Let me ask you about, does God have your attitude? Does God have your attitude? I do not want to be known as that Christian in church where people turn around. I'm not joking. I'll be talking to people and say, hey, you know that one guy in our church? And I'll say, dude, you're going to have to be more specific than that. <laughs> the one guy in church. You know the one guy that always is complaining? How many of you want to be that guy? And worse than that, how, do, how many of you want everybody to turn around and go, oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about, you know? And, and God looks at you and says, see, I, I'm glad you're going to heaven, but your attitude belongs to me. Jesus Christ lived a life where Christians, the world, was drawn to Jesus. Sometimes we're sitting there and our attitude is, you know, I don't know and I don't care and I don't know why I'm here and I don't like this and all that. And God's saying, they can't see me in you. And so there's no power in that. My Christian then says, Lord, my attitude stinks. I go to church half the time. I'm not sitting there going, man, God is good and the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm sitting there going, ugh, 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 ugh. Nobody wants that. I thank God Jesus wasn't like that. He said, Lord, my, my attitude's yours. And God says, that's great. Let me, let me be glorified in that aspect of your life. Let me take over your attitude. God looks down at our life and says, what about your habits? You sit there and you say that I'm all powerful and God is in control and God can do anything and God has potential and God got all this and then you sit there and you have vices in your life that you can't conquer. How am I going to be glorified in your life when you say that there's areas in your life that you can't give to me? Now, I'm not trying to step on toes. I'm aiming for your heart this morning. But there's not one of us here that does not have bad habits in our lives. In some of our bad habits, we sit there and say, I don't want my kids doing it, but you do it. Don't tell your kids to do something that you're not willing to change in your own life. You know what the Bible calls that? A hypocrite. You say, well, I don't want my kids turning out with me. Then give them an example to follow. We have this life and we turn around and say, Lord, I want you to be glorified. I want you to be seen in my life. I want my kids to grow up with victory. And God says, then show them victory. Show them victory. Lord, my, my, my time belongs to you. My habits. Lord, I, I, Lord, I've been struggling with this for a long time. God says, let me take control. Hey, weren't you the one that one time had a struggle with that? I mean, I did, but let me tell you. God stepped in and God did something that I could not do. You know what steps in? It's the power of God. It's not you. The Bible says to be strengthened by the power of God, of the inner man. God steps in and all of a sudden your attitude and your life, your habits, your heart. Watch TV and I turn on the TV with my kids Sitting there, oh, it's like flipping the channel every two seconds. Oh, my goodness. Holy cow. It's like, you know what they're doing to us? They're reconditioning us. You know what I found that you cannot find on TV? Married people that are happy. Find a show that is about married people that are happy. You can't be happy and be married at the same time. Let me say, you can't without this. See, the world has taken this out, and now they're cheering and saying, this is the real life. And they look on TV, and they see a mom and dad arguing, and they look in their living room, and they see a mom and dad arguing. 
They look on TV and they're shooting up and they're smoking weed and they're doing everything that's supposed to give them happiness. And they turn in to mom and dad and they turn to their friends and they're saying, hey, there's not a difference. We've allowed the world to condition our minds and there's an area of our life that God said you live under righteousness. May righteousness be seen in your life. But instead they see what they see on TV, which is the world in sin, and they can't see a difference. God said it's not right to be shacked up. Premarital sex is not right. God said, I have a way and a plan. You're going to sit and tell your kids not to do it. Then you're going to do it. God said, you cannot do that. God says, pornography is not right. God said, going down to the movies and sitting there calling GD out 52 times while you say it's just entertainment. God said, cursing me is not entertainment. Would you have been the one that had paid seven bucks to walk and see them hang Jesus on the cross and go, wow, this is great. Say, well, they crucify him. What do you think they're trying to do every time they call him GD? Say, I can't believe you're saying this. No, I can't believe we'll listen to it. See, the righteousness of God has got to be seen in our lives. Say, then say, Lord, I, my thought life, Lord, I, I struggle with my, my thought life. God says, give it to me. I, give, give that part to me. I, I, see, the thing is, I, I don't want just your attitude, and I don't want your church attendance, and I don't want just this. God's saying, I want all of you. It's not a matter of you getting more of God. You got it all. It's a matter of God working through your life and your attitude and your morals and your testimony and your habits and everything. And God said, can they see me in every aspect of your life? Don't turn it on and off and expect the world to be changed. God is looking for this. And you may experience the fullness of God. You know what the fullness of God is? When you sit there and say, God, every aspect of my life, and God reaches down and says, I, I don't like that. And that's causing a stumbling block. And you go to work and you cuss like everybody else. You sit there and you're, you're sleeping with your girlfriend and you sit there and talk about, why don't you go to church with me? God has changed my life. And then they turn around and says, he does the same thing we do. Doesn't, hey, hey, buddy, doesn't the Bible say that's wrong? Well, it does, but we pick and choose. God said, you can't pick and choose. fullness of God. Surrendered life experiences the fullness of God. The surrendered life exceeds our expectation. Our attitude is this. All right, God. It's all there. I'm yours. We have this idea that I surrender all is living in poverty, no joy, no happiness. He's probably going to ship me to Iran and make me be a witness for the rest of my life. And I'm going to, you know, it's like, oh, man, you know, just I surrender all or strip it all away. You know, I'm going to be a martyr for Jesus. And God says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Here's the thing. When I take control of your life, God says, I step in and I, I, I bring that. You know what all this is in your life? Is it, the Bible says it's to be strengthened by the power of the inner man, that, that of Jesus Christ. That's dunamis power. That is power for you to do what you could never do in of yourself. God, all of a sudden, you're sitting there, man, I was able to lead people to Christ. I saw, I saw the revival break on in campus, and I saw all of this. How is this possible? And God says, because it's me and you. I filled your life up. I'm every portion of your life. The height and depth and every bit of you is me. It's not about what you give up. It's about what you get. It's not about living empty. It's about living full. 
It, it, it's, not, it's not about being enslaved to God. It's about, about, about being in love with God. It's every part of you. And God says, what I want to do, he says, this is what you're going to find out. When it's me and it's not you, God said, when it's this, who is able, the verse says. God said, I am able to what? Grant unto you. It's the verbiage right out of Ephesians 3.16. God said, I am capable, but I have too many people that look more like this. It's not just about being surrendered. It's about being filled. We have a lot of Christians that are sitting there, Lord, send me. And God says, now let me take over. Let me, let me start to fill your life with every aspect of it. God exceeds our expectations. He's able to fill us with the power of God. The surrendered life is, experiences the fullness of God. It exceeds our expectations. And last, the surrendered life exalts glory to God. Will you read verse 21 with me again? Unto him... Be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. God looks at it and says, man, if I had that in the world, and all these empty people, all these people that are, are, are just starving in life, they walk back and go, I've never seen somebody treat their wife like that. How do you do that and say, man, let, let me tell you right now, I never did that until Christ came into my life. Man, I've, I wish I had a marriage like that. Man, I, I tell you what, I, I know you've started in this school and you're, you're on campus and out, but I, I tell you, when we start telling off-color jokes and we start talking about the girls like that, you, you turn a walk, a walk away, what's up with that? Just say, man, I, I just know that God taught us that we should not talk about women like that. I want to protect my mind and, man, you're different, dude. I, I've never been around you. You don't know fun. This guy is struggling over here with some sort of disease and he wakes up not knowing what he did the day before, thinking that's fun. They've got to see something in us. Christ said, see, when I take over your life, the world is going to see the glory of God in you. It's not you. You have no power to do what we're talking about. But I do know this. This world needs to see this in us. They need to see the Spirit of God take over and change you. And you say, I have habits in my life that I struggled with 20 years. God said, I'm able. You turn around and say, man, I, I, I've struggled with how I view girls all of my life. God said, I'm able. And as we give God control and as we fill our lives with God in every area and say, God, it's not just my salvation. I want you to be glorified in my thoughts, in my life, in my habits, in my future. God, I am yours. God said, that's when I'm able to bring glory through the church to all the generations, to all the ages, that's when I'm able to turn the world upside down for God. See, it's not a matter of us not having the potential because God said I'm able. It's just a matter, are you as a Christian experiencing what it means to be poured out and filled with the Spirit of God?